You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Choby. Well, it has been uh, interesting. It's been an interesting time here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center over the last couple weeks. Last time me and Bump had a chance to speak with all y'all, the Seahawks were hoping to get into the playoffs, hoping to get some help from the Chicago Bears. Unfortunately, that did not happen. The Bears did not beat the Packers. The Seahawks beat the Cardinals. That wasn't enough. The Seahawks did miss the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. And unfortunately, since then, um, the Seahawks announced head coach Pete Carroll will be moving on from head coach to an advisory role with the club. And uh, yeah, just the gravity of that moment and Pete not being here anymore as someone who's worked here for eight years and been a Seahawks fan my whole life and just been being around Pete. It was pretty shocking bump. It was uh, I was pretty floored thinking about it. It hit me pretty hard. And you were on the air when this happened. So take me through you hearing the news for the first time. We, we got to break it. I'm actually, I was in the middle of a, of a segment and our producer gets into Stacey Ross's ear and I see her face and I go, oh, there's some breaking news. It's that time of the year. Let's see what goes down. And uh, she goes, Pete Carroll is out as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And one of our other producers, Mike Lefko, took a, a screenshot of my face during that time. You would thought I saw a ghost. I'm like, this has to be a joke. This is not real. My whole football existence, Pete Carroll has either been um, uh, a assistant coach or a head coach somewhere, whether it be college or the NFL, so on. Now, it was shocking, man. I did not expect it. Um, and there was a lot I had to digest and react to immediately. And uh, that was the toughest part because he deserves time for that news to marinate and for people to articulate exactly what they're feeling in that moment. So, yeah, it was rough, man. I wasn't expecting it. But, uh, man, I appreciate Pete for everything he's done. I'm happy it was you and not me because I don't think I would have been able to say anything on the mic because I would have just been that floored. <laughs> and it was just, again, when you're someone who's been around as long as Pete has, let's just give you some stats for all the people to know how successful Pete was during his time in Seattle. During his 14-year run as head coach, he was 147-98-1, five division titles, two Super Bowl appearances, Super Bowl 48 champion, as all you know, went to the playoffs 10 out of 14 seasons, and had winning seasons in 11 of those 14s. And then you want to go overall, 181 and 131. Tied for 13th in NFL history with 181 combined wins. 39 head coach in NFL history with 100 regular season wins. 22nd head coach to reach 150 regular season wins. And 15th head coach to reach 175. So that's elite company, obviously. And one of the things I think about too, Bump, is during that time, those 14 years, every other team in the NFC West has been good, really bad, good, and really bad again. I'm talking winning six or less games. Every team in the division has had that up and down, up and down, up and down in that same time. And while the worst season Pete Carroll had was seven and nine. And then I guess technically once we went to 17 games, seven and 10 and 21, but that was the year Russell Wilson broke his thumb. So it's like when you think about the success this man had, it it, uh, it leads you to just there's a lot of emotions, especially for Seahawks fans, because he put Seattle on the map. And while we're talking about those emotions during his final press conference, because he was able to address the media 
after the decision for him to move into an advisory role, which just really goes to show you the respect that everyone has for Coach Carroll, that he got to have the final words. And let me tell you, Bump, I was in the room, man. There was not a dry eye in the house. He started talking about his wife, his kids, Glenna, what everyone meant to him. But one of the things that I really stuck away with what he talked about was when he talked about culture that he created here in this building. But what I am most proud of is, is that we, we took a culture that we developed there in, in those college days and came here to see if you cared for people deeply and you, uh, and you loved them for who they were and tried to find uh, the extraordinary uniqueness that made them them and celebrate that and not try to make them something that they're not, and not, not to try to expect them to be something other than that, but try to see if we can capture that, that extraordinary uniqueness that they had uh, and celebrate that with them. Let's see what happens. Well, at SC, we killed it, and uh, we came up here, and overall, we've been successful for a long time. I, I didn't think any way that this would happen like this. I didn't have that vision, but I'm grateful for it because what we have here, we have an extraordinary culture, and uh, um, I'm really proud of that. Culture gets thrown around like crazy everywhere in the business world, sports teams, this and that. I've had the opportunity to work in a bunch of different places. Culture is real, and it's real when you're the leader of your program, believes it in every fiber of his being. And it's something, on you know, it's hard to even equate what it is. He has his rules. So think about always compete, tell the truth Monday, be in, all in, be early, all those things that are strictly Pete. And it's just like it, the culture is real, and I, I really – I have faith that they're going to keep the culture in the building once he moves on. But, but yeah, it's just hard. When you think of Pete, what sticks out? I mean, you have the unique opportunity to be one of some uh, smallest of people that were actually recruited by Coach Carroll when you were in high school. Yeah, back in uh, 2003, I verbally committed to University of Southern California because of Pete Carroll. Like Pete, um, all the things he says at 72 years old, he was preaching uh, 20 years ago, recruiting a kid out of Culver City High School, man. And he talks about culture and culture is something that like you you have your your staples of your culture. This is how we practice. This is how we show up. This is how we address the media. This is how we respect our coworkers. But Pete's culture, you could feel as soon as you stepped into VMAC, whether you're going through the front entrance like us media people do, or you go through the back door like the coaches and the players and everyone else involved, you feel it as soon as you walk in VMAC, man, from the receptionist saying hello to the security guards recognizing you and saying hello, um, up and down, man. Uh, so when I think about Pete, I think about a person who recognizes people for who they are, um, one of the hardest workers I've been around, and a person that approaches every day the same way, win, lose, or draw. We we sit in this media room that's next to the team meeting room, and no matter what, they could have lost just – I could have got blown out by the Baltimore Ravens. You show up there on a Thursday, the days that I showed up, there's still the same energy, the same focus, and the same grind. Um, so, yeah, man, Pete's been huge. I'm telling you, like, I didn't start playing football till high school. So all I knew was Pete Carroll and USC and Reggie Bush, Liner, all those guys. Um, so to have that experience with him in California, then come up here to the Northwest, work for the Seahawks, and 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 just see him these these last twenty three years, it's been uh it's been great, man. And he's been the same guy. I mean, he's been he's been true to himself and what he believes in. You know, I think the number one question I get asked, or I've been asked over the years since I've worked here, is is Pete really like that? You know, is Pete really that energetic? Is that all? Yes, yes, he's like that. 
man, Bump, I'm 32 years old. I have bad days. I'm tired some days. Some days I'm not feeling it. Some days it might show. I try not to show the body language, whatnot. You would never know if Pete had a bad day because I don't think he's ever had one. I mean, the mm-hmm. way he carries himself, the energy, running sprints at practice, all the stuff that people see. And I got to experience the stuff people didn't get to see because he was always that person all the time. I was a nobody when I took over this job, essentially, in terms of my professional experience. And um, over the last eight years, just having a, a chance to see how he moved, how he operated, how he treated people, how he treated me specifically, setting up interviews, doing all the things that he didn't have to do, taking time, asking about my day, knowing my name, all these things. And uh, you just don't ever take it for granted. So it's a really sad, bittersweet for me because he did so much for me personally, everyone in this building, all the players. You talk, you think of a guy like Geno Smith, man, to have the belief from a guy like Pete Carroll that restarted his career. You know what I mean? Like there's so I, I, there's probably a gazillion people I go down the list. Richard Sherman, KJ Wright, all the the Doug, you know, Doug Baldwin, all the people that he helped find. Obviously, John Schneider has been a part of that the entire way. So we'll get to him. But I just. Uh, it was a bittersweet day. I just we just wanted to make sure that we gave Pete his flowers because he meant a lot to this region. When you think of Seahawks football, Pete Carroll is one of the people you think of. So uh, just wanted to give our flowers to coach. We appreciate everything you've done for this team, this organization, this city, this region. You'll be remembered forever. Pretty soon here, whatever happens, we know you'll be putting up in the Ring of Honor and all that. And then eventually, obviously, Cooperstown or Hall of Fame, not Cooperstown, but Canton, Ohio. For that, right. got my sports crossed a little bit. And then let's just jump over a little bit because more news has come out. John Schneider addressed the media uh, essentially you know, a couple days ago for the first time kind of solo as he kind of moves into a different role. He's still obviously the general manager, but now the football staff and everything is kind of falling under his leadership. But he spoke this week about how blessed it was to have the relationship he had with uh, Pete Carroll. Again, just very, very blessed uh, to have worked with Pete and all the positive lessons and the leadership, uh, the leadership lessons and thoughts and philosophies, and I can't even begin to explain to you. Uh, you know, pretty emotional press conference the other day. And when I say your emotions are all over the place, you know, it's it's uh, it's moving on from a very very historic uh, partnership and amazing amazing uh, level of success and achievement that Pete and uh, myself are extremely proud of. I look forward to being able to call up Pete and. Text him. He's really, he's texting me like crazy all the time. Like, hey Johnny, what's you know is going on with this and that, and so it's uh, yeah, it's been a great it's been a great experience. Uh, you can hear him at the end, kind of getting emotional because they had a relationship that is so unique. Bump 14, 15 years, really calendar years of them being together, making every single decision together, all the ups, all the downs. He mentioned at some point in his his press conference talking about a podcast that they could have. And boy, we would all subscribe. I would pay money (laughs) to hear some of those stories. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's unheard of bump. I don't know. You know, I'm obviously hoping that there's the next version of Pete Carroll in terms of his relationship with John Schneider, but just thinking back through the years, man, it's a, it's got to be a historic, you know, relationship all time because you just don't see that longevity in the league anymore. Nah, 14 years in the league um, in one place with that that partnership, um, that has to have been awesome, man. And I'm, um, like you said, it's bittersweet because Pete's gone and we knew this day was going to come eventually, him not being a head coach anymore. But now I'm excited for John. All right, yeah. John. You know, this is this is you. You can take all those lessons, all those moments you had with Pete, and you get to make this 
yours. Well, I don't know Jody's going to be involved as well, but um, I'm sure their their friendship will is forever. It's a lifetime type thing. Just uh, that 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 working relationship is now over. So let's see, let's see what John can do, man. I'm excited. I'm happy for Pete, man. He gets to be a grandfather and chill for a little bit and then decide whether he wants to do ball or not. Yeah. And, you know, John has obviously been a big part of everything. Those two are so synonymous together in building this, this franchise and what it is to this day. So yeah, really excited to see what John can do and what he's going to do when he looks, you know, to hire a new head coach. The cool thing that he talked about in his press conference as well was culture and how that was going to be something that he was, you know, objective number one coming from ownership. That's it. Our, our culture. And then how are we evolving? Who, who's going to help us move to the next level, right? How are we going to, you know, compete with everybody that we need to compete with and advance this, this organization moving forward? And that's a, I think we're going to learn so much of this process about the ideas. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of all the connections we have around the National Football League. And we've learned a lot already. And so to be able to understand what that looks like, you know, different opinions, different philosophies, open the door to, to different ideas, whether it's a defensive head coach or a offensive head coach or a special teams guy that is becoming a head coach. I think that's all just really, really important. We're not necessarily going to speculate into who this person is going to be because there's a, a million things and there's a lot of interviews and John and his staff is going to handle all that. But Bump, when you knowing what you have in John Snyder and the players you got on this team, what gives you confidence that this team, whoever is in the leadership position as head coach, can take that next step in 2024 and build off the core players that they have on this roster today? Oh, man, because you got some ballers here, man. I know 98 fell short. I understand all of that. Um, disappointing year. But you still got some news. I look at the offense. I go, all right, you're a couple linemen away from really doing this thing. I look at the defense. I go, you're a linebacker, uh, a defensive lineman away, and some guys getting healthy um, from really doing this thing. So uh, no, I'm excited, man. Uh, I'm um, again. I, I I'm always hesitant to use excited because I never want to disrespect Pete. I prefer Pete was here. You know, let's not get that twisted. But since the, this is a new start, I'm just excited to see how whoever comes in takes the foundational pieces and builds off of that. Because there are some ballers here that are going to contribute and help whoever gets this head coaching job. Yeah, it's going to be I'm, – I'm excited. that I'm going to have my popcorn ready whenever that is announced. Obviously, there's rules about when you can interview people and when they can – if they're currently coaching, it's got to be after divisional playoffs. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the football side of things, which I won't speculate on because we're just going to get our popcorn ready like the rest of the U12s and figure out what's going to happen with this search. But I'm definitely excited, you know, uh, looking forward to what this organization is going to become with the new head coach and where they're going to go next year. But before we look ahead to next year and all that stuff, there were a lot of guys that made plays. So we're going to continue giving our flowers when we look at the season-long playmakers. Playmakers. What time it is? Holy oh, we start with quarterbacks, and uh, Gino had a great year, man. He was uh, 323 for 499, 64% completion percentage, 3,624 yards, 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, sacked 31 times. Did have 37 carries for 155 yards and a touchdown, 104 QB rating. rating. Led five game-winning drives this season, which was the most in the National Football League. 
So, you know, saying he can't win a game late, it wasn't clutch, that narrative is completely dead. He's got 15 career game-winning drives and only 66 starts. He did all this missing two games. And, yeah, he didn't have the year that he had statistically in 2022. But, you know, he missed a couple games, and he kind of had it flip-flopped. He started really strong last year and struggled a little bit down the stretch. And this year he struggled a little bit early on, but finished really strong down the stretch. So, I like what we have in Gino. He's proven that he can play. He's proven that he can come up clutch when the team needs him. And he's really probably a couple plays away from leading seven game-winning drives, maybe even eight for all the games the Seahawks could have won this year. So big ups to Geno Smith. I, I still think we have our quarterback right now, whether the Seahawks draft one moving forward. But we have our guy right now, and I loved what I saw from Geno this year. Yeah, I, I agree, man. It wasn't uh, it wasn't last year's performance, but um... – it was a good enough performance to keep your team competitive and in the playoff hunt to the very last game. And that's all you want, man. Big ups to Gino. We got to shine some light on Ken Walker, man. He missed some games where I missed two games, but he rushed for 905 yards, eight touchdowns. He had 29 receptions for 259 yards and one touchdown. He was um, one short of a career high in rushing touchdowns. I love Ken Walker and what he brings to this team. If you look at all the teams that are left in the uh, the playoffs as of now, most of them have a really good running game, minus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the weakest run game in, in NFL <laughs> yeah. football. Yep. Well, but sometimes you get lucky. But whoever comes in again, you have a guy who can who can run the rock. You got your quarterback, you got your running back, and then you got a number one receiver too, DK Metcalf, sixty six receptions. 1,114 yards, eight touchdowns on the season. He's all over the Seahawks record, but um, he has the most receiving yards, receptions, and touchdowns in the first five seasons in franchise history. He's fourth in the NFL receiving touchdowns since 2019 with 43. DK also became the third player in NFL history to reach 50 receptions, 900 yards, and five touchdowns in each of his first five seasons, and he's only missed one game. The evolution of DK has been fun to watch. And he's always available. Only miss one game. Man stays healthy. Yeah. And if you're a new head coach, you're looking at someone like that and you're like, yeah, I would like some more of 14 because he's a baller. Um, Another guy in that receiver room that was also balling out this year was Tyler Lockett. 79 receptions, 894 yards, five touchdowns on the season. Became the second player in franchise history and the 94th player in NFL history to have 600 receptions. His 49 touchdowns since 2018 are tied for sixth in the NFL. He also moved into second place for all the Seahawks major receiving records. So we're talking second in receptions now with 612, second in receiving yards with 7,994, and second in touchdowns with 59. All behind one of the greatest to ever do it, Steve Largent. And unfortunately for Locke, it's going to be pretty hard to catch <laughs> to catch Largent because he is way up there. When Largent <laughs> retired, he literally was the leader in every category in the National Football League. And Tyler's been reliable, only missed three games out of a possible 144 regular season games during his career. Unfortunately, bummer, his streak of 1,000-yard seasons came to an end at four years consecutively, but Lockett was balling out. You know, he's still a really important part of this offense. And then the last of the receiver I'll talk about, Bump, is JSN. Rookie, 63 receptions, 628 yards, four touchdowns, became only – Rookie, the only rookie since 1960 with two game-winning touchdown receptions in the final minute of the fourth quarter, did this all after he broke his wrist in the first in, during the preseason. Never missed a game. Bump, I know if I told you that you'd have that stat line in his first year, you would say sign me up for that three times because with those other guys in the offense and him doing that, we solved our third receiver issue that we kind of nagged this team for a long time. He's it, and he's going to be a lot more than that. Obviously, we saw the potential. 
but I, I'm really excited to see where this receiving core is. Yeah, man, it's looking good, uh, especially with the uh, addition of J.S. and excited for that young man out of Ohio State. Um, the OG Bobby Wagner put together another great season, 183 tackles, three and a half sacks, 11 TFLs, and three passes defended. His 183 tackles are a career high and ties the Seahawks single season franchise record of 183 set by who? Jordan Brooks just last season. Can, couldn't even let him have a season. You know what I mean? A couple seasons of uh, having that record. But Ragnar is also second and third on that list when it comes to tackles in a season. Um, by starting the season finale in Arizona, Wagner tied Jeff Bryan for fifth place in franchise history with 167 games started, man. He was a second-team All-Pro. And uh, it was cool to see 54 back in that uniform. Last year, he wore a different color, blue. There was some yellow in it. The numbers were flipped. Yeah. It was like a, a whole different universe. Now he was back. It was nice to see 5-4 with the green dot doing his thing. Yeah, man. Love love to see Bobby. Love, uh, you know, he he talked about in his press conference at the end of the year that he, he intends to keep playing, and we love to see it because 54 is special in our colors. We love to see it. Then you talk about Julian Love, man, newcomer to the squad. He had 123 tackles, one TFL, 10 passes defended, four interceptions leading the team, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. Got a Pro Bowl nod for the first time and uh, set a career high in tackles. And that was really good to see because we didn't know what we are going to get from Jamal Adams in terms of his injury history. So having Julian Love step in and really come on down the stretch and be a player that was relied upon and really a good anchor in the secondary. So love what we saw from Julian Love because uh, my man definitely had a great season, all-time season. So congrats on your new baby and uh, go enjoy yourself in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, man. First time Pro Bowler. You love to see it. How about Jordan Brooks? A guy that we didn't expect to see. I didn't expect to see him for a while. Uh, but he started the season, man. 123 tackles, four and a half sacks, eight tackles for loss, four passes defended, one interception, and one force fumble. He appeared in 16 games. Man, that's nuts. Six months after tearing his ACL. Um, he also battled back from an ankle injury uh, the last six games of the season. This guy's as tough as they come. Uh, I know that uh, the linebacker group is in good hands. If they get a deal done, hook my guy up. We'll see what they do with Jordan, but I expect him to be back. Uh, I'm glad he got another season to learn under the OG Bobby Wagner. Jordan defied all odds. Six months after surgery, that's crazy to me. Mm. And he still put together a great season. Yeah, JB was <laughs> – yeah, it's it's honestly, it's an act of God, the fact that he was out there as quick as he was. So big ups to JB. And then the rookie should be – Defensive rookie of the year without question. If you look at the numbers, they can't get us twice. They can't do that to us twice. Right? Come on now. Had to. They we got robbed last year, but you look at Spoon, man. 79 tackles, three sacks, eight TFLs, 16 passes defended, one forced fumble, 97 yard pick six. He did this in 14 games, missed three games. His 16 passes defended were still fifth in the entire NFL. Okay. And my case for rookie of the year is obvious. If we're just talking about rookies, especially because he's good enough to be a Pro Bowler, first of all, um, so he's probably good enough to be rookie right. of the year. Only rookie to make the Pro Bowl on defense. So Jalen Carter, the other guy that's probably up for this award. Okay. Then you have uh, Pro Football's top graded rookie defender, six hundred snaps. PFF's top graded Seahawks player finished with sixteen pass defended, eight TFLs, three sacks. One of seven players and only rookie to hit those marks since nineteen ninety nine. I mean, I rest my case. The dude was a baller. He clearly, when Pete Carroll said that he reminded him of Troy Palomalu, the instincts and all that, yeah, that checks out. So 
Give my man what he deserves. He deserves to be rookie of the year, and he's going to be a guy that is going to be a superstar in this league. No question about it. Yeah, Spoon. Um, they called him what? Quadrant called him Little Spoon. Hey, he's mm. hey, he's a spoon now. He he didn't graduate. <laughs> yeah, happy for that guy. How about Jay Reed coming back this year and put together a good season, man. Jaren Reed, fifty-four tackles, seven sacks. Seven tackles for loss, two passes defended, and one forced fumble. He was that guy that kind of got the sacks going. You're trying to figure out where these sacks are going to come from because of Chenna um, suffered an injury. You think, is it Boye? Is he going to take another step? We'll talk about him later. Is it going to be DT? Um, everyone got involved, but Jay Reed got the party going. And how about the midseason acquisition of Big Cat Leonard Williams from the New York football Giants? He had 41 tackles, four sacks. Nine TFLs, one pass defended, and he did it, did it with 10 games. Also, you pointed this out. He did not have a bye week. He sacrificed the bye week, getting traded from New York. They already yeah. had their – or the Hawks already had their bye week. He comes over here and says, keep the party going. I'm healthy. Uh, the the 29-year-old helped us out this year. Oh, yeah. I really hope Big Cat is a guy that's back on this team next year because of what we saw from him. The potential inside, he can be an anchor on this team and really help get that defense turned around. So hopefully you see him. And then Boye, man, if there was anyone on this team that really took a step from freshman year to second year player, it was Boye Mafe. 52 tackles, nine yep. sacks, led the team, nine TFLs, six passes defended, wooden force fumble, two fumble recoveries. He did his thing. At one point, he had seven straight games with a sack. And the cool thing about Boye is that he has so much room to grow. So much room to grow because he's not even, he's just scratching the surface of his potential. Once he kind of figures some stuff out more so in the run game and gets consistent at setting that edge, he is going to be a perennial Pro Bowl type player. So really love what we've seen from Boye this year and this season. So a lot of ballers, we could have gone on and on. There's other people that contributed to this team, but we want to make sure those guys got their flowers this year. And then I just want to give you guys a quick little preview of what you can expect from the Seahawks kind of offseason calendar coming up. What's on tap? What's on tap? So coming up on the calendar, things to circle, NFL Combine, February 27th to March 4th. So some people call it the Underwear Olympics. That's where a lot of dreams come true. Run your 40 times, do your three cone, all that good stuff. So then coming up after that, what's really important, free agency. March 13th is when it officially starts. So you're going to start, that's when you officially start seeing people sign with teams. You obviously hear stuff leak out before that. Then teams can get into their offseason programs. NFL draft, April 25th through the 27th. And then depending on the new head coach's schedule, usually the rookie minicamp is either the, the week following the draft or the week after the draft. Then you got the schedule release in May, OTAs, mandatory minicamp, and, you know, towards the end of June. And then uh, we'll be back at it in training camp, bump Back at it in training camp again. I, um, I'm bummed. I'm bummed that we're not talking to all y'all getting ready to go to San Francisco because we saw what happened in Dallas. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> Dang. We saw what happened. That should have been, been us. <laughs> should have been us. But, you know, unfortunately, the clock just ran out on the season. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. Seahawks got a lot to address this offseason bump, but a lot to look forward to, man. And, uh, when I look at this, I think there's a lot of potential. I'm excited for what could happen. And uh, when you look at this offseason, what's the favorite part of the offseason for you? Are you a combine guy? Are you a draft guy? Are you an OTA guy? What's what? What do you get excited about? 
Oh, I'm a draft guy, man. I want to see. You got the number 16 pick. What are you going to do with that pick? Is it offense? Is it defense? You don't have a second round pick. We know John likes to flip picks into turn three and a four, four and a seven. You know, that's what John does. I want to see what they do with that second round pick and uh, see how motivated these veteran guys come back. You know, we know there are some guys who are going to be here. Spoon will be here. Reek will be here. DK, Lockett, Ken Walker. We're assuming all the guys that we just talked about, now most of them will be here. How are they going to work on their games? But it starts with the draft, man. I love the draft. I love the drama of it. It's hard to get things rolling. Yeah, man, that, the offseason goes by pretty quick. So this is kind of what's going to go on from here on out. So if there's some big news, me and Bump will hop back on here when the Seahawks decide and you know, have – Whoever's going to be the next head coach of the Seahawks and other news that kind of comes up through the offseason. So we'll, we're not going to leave you hanging this whole time. But, but man, we've been doing this for five years, man. That's, That's crazy. <laughs> like, next year's going to be the best year, too. Let's go. It's going to be the best year because we're going to go till February and we're going to win a Super Bowl and all those good things are going to happen. We're going to get our rings. We're going to have our party down in. So it's Vegas. It was Vegas this year, but next right. year it's going to be. Dang, that's where I looked it up. Doesn't matter. We'll be there. <laughs> we'll be there. Don't matter. <laughs> Book so, the ticket somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate you guys listening all season long. Like I said, we'll be with you periodically throughout the offseason and keep you up to date on the latest Seahawks news. You can get us anywhere, Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Sirius XM. We appreciate you listening all year. Rate us five stars on Apple if you can. Listen to Michael Bumpus every single day, Monday through Friday, 10 to 2 on the Bump and Stacey show. For this edition of Hawk Talk, he's Michael Bumpus. I'm Nasa Chobi. We'll talk to you soon.